Hello, and welcome to Makers.dev episode number 28. Chris, have you eaten today? Uh, yes, <laughs> multiple times. <laughs> I think it's a, a greeting in different cultures is like, instead of how are you, you ask if someone's eaten. I've heard that in China, right? I think uh, that's where I've heard it anyway. Yeah, have you eaten yet? Yeah. Makes sense. But I just wanted to mix it up today. <laughs> what, what have you eaten? It sounded like you were... You were going into details. I was just, answering the question. Just gonna explain that my my daughter had a birthday recently, and so we have lots of leftover hot dogs and pizza bagels, <laughs> and so <laughs> I've eaten hot dogs and pizza bagels. My favorite state of living in my parents' house growing up as a child was right after we had a party. Uh, there would usually be some sort of catering, sometimes like a fajita feast or something, and you always get a little more than you think you're going to need for the party. So there would be like a twenty percent surplus, and depending on the size of the party. That 20% surplus could then be like, ooh, this is now what I get to eat for the next like four or five days. I get to have like, you know, a, a fajita. And I loved that. Just like it's consistent food that's there, that's the same. And I think that drives some people crazy. They get sick of leftovers. But for me, it's just like if I got a machine that's pumping out little Christian food meals and I just don't have to think about food, that is my ideal relationship with food uh, at, a, at a baseline level. So uh, is, is that good or bad that you have a surplus of hot dogs and these pizza bagels? Yeah, no, I'm kind of the same. I like eating sort of the same thing all the time. It drives my wife cra crazy. So if we have lots of leftovers, <laughs> she'll freeze as, you know, as much as she can freeze and so that she doesn't have to eat the same thing all the time. But uh, yeah, I kind of like it. Meal prepping, I think, is a good solution to that. It would be a good compromise. Uh, most, most women I have interacted with, uh, I don't know if this is a gender thing. I guess, I guess there have been some men like this too. Uh, that I've interacted with crave more novelty food. And I totally get that. I think I'd feel that in different contexts, just with food. With food, it's like Soylent. Yeah, I, I was one of the first, I, I had Soylent that I got from Kickstarter, I think. And I was like, oh, this is great. I never have to think about food again. And uh, that didn't quite pan out, but I think a good compromise to like never having to think about food, but also having variety would be something like meal prepping or something like, you know, you, you freeze dry a bunch of meals and then Every time you make something, you make 10 times more than you need and then store in some way the other nine tenths. And then you can mix together that nine tenths. You know, after you've been doing that for a month, okay, well, now we can go back and have the meal that we had on the first and then mix that together with all these other ones. That's a machine that I really want to build that is not yet built that yeah. uh, I think would be a good solution to food. What, one thing you could try, one thing I've done recently, so this is sort of a tangent from everything, but um, so frozen meals have come a really long way since mm. uh, I was a kid. <laughs> Um, there are frozen meals now that are $5 or less that are made with like real <laughs> ingredients. Um, and uh, they, they're actually, they taste really good. And so, uh, yeah, you might want to look at the latest frozen meals um, because yeah, you stick them, you can stick them in the microwave for, you know, five minutes or something and you have a great uh, meal that's actually made with real ingredients. And so that's that. so interesting to hear you say as a solution, because like, yeah, I have written off frozen meals. It's like, oh, it's all junk. What if I made my own frozen meals? That's a thing I could do. Yeah, yeah I could do that too. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, sure. yeah, there's places to push forward on this project. Noted. Uh, you just entered a new AI contest and you're already in the number one spot. That's amazing. Tell me more about that. Uh, yeah, so yeah, after I got fifth in the last one, I entered a new one. Um, there's only, so in the last one, there were 1,200 teams. This one only has like a 200 currently, so, and I'm number one, but my so my error, it's a GPS, so it's outdoor GPS, uh, and the other one was indoor Wi-Fi. So it's a similar problem, but different, because um, outdoor is in GPS. Um, 
my error is currently like five meters and I expect the error will be down around one or two when it's all over. And mm -hmm. so I have a long way to go, but yeah, currently I'm in number one. So that feels pretty good. That's amazing. I'm really curious. I, I, I've gone through this a few times of uh, really wanting to learn about a, uh, AI and, and machine learning stuff. And we talked about it on previous episodes. You recommended fast.ai. Um, I'd love to just hear sort of a high level overview of your process of solving a problem like this without getting into detail that would uh, cause someone listening to this podcast to usurp your number one spot. Uh, but how do I, I think the input for something like this is like a giant table of, you know, it's a timestamp and what the actual location was and what the phone's GPS location was. Uh, is that what the input looks like? And, and then what do you do after that? How do you tackle this sort of problem? Yeah, so this one is interesting. It's actually more complicated than that. Um, they have all that data, but then they also have the raw, it's called GNSS. So this is like um, the numbers that will allow you to calculate the distance to satellites. And so it's like the, the lowest level you can go. And so it has like the satellite locations and the, the pseudo ranges to them. And then if you, you know, you can triangulate and stuff. Um, I am not there yet. <laughs> I am currently working on a higher level, which is kind of what you talked about. It has... So they provided like a baseline level. So there's like, a, there's several standard algorithms for finding a location. The one they provided is like seven meters or so accuracy. Um, and I basically take, so far I've taken that and sort of finessed it into five meters or so accuracy. Um, and then I have another step that I can go before I need to look at the raw GNSS logs. Um, but then once you get into GNSS, like they, what they did is they multi mounted multiple phones on a dashboard. So you can actually compare uh, the GNSS logs for multiple phones. Um, and that's really where you can get down to like meter or sub meter accuracy with GPS. So, yeah. um, yeah, I expect the winning solutions will, uh, get to sub meter, uh, in the next, there's like almost three months left. So there's a lot of time left. How did you get a meter more accurate? Just looking at the data from GPS. Is this just like a standard machine learning thing that you, you threw the toolkit at it and said, ah, here to look at all this information and try to make it better. And you don't really understand how it made it better. It, it just did from the, the tool set. Um, this is where I might get a little KG because the contest is still going on and calculus rules actually prevent you from talking about your solution outside of their forum. Chris, I'm secretly the person in number two. <laughs> um, <laughs> this whole podcast but, has been a uh, ruse. Yeah. You, you could imagine that GPS uh, signals can be kind of jittery. And if you have mm -hmm. multiple phones, each with sort of jittery outputs, and you sort of combine them in smart ways, then you can get kind of a smoother, more accurate output. Um, okay. That's what I'll say. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Interesting. I'm very curious about this. Oh, uh, we'll, we'll get into that later. Uh, so this this is not the uh, image problem. This is not the sound problem. So we don't need your, your big beefy uh, computer for it yet. Yeah, uh, what's the ETA on that? That's still uh, I don't know. I, I have so not, I've gotten no new emails, uh, supposedly two to three weeks since last week. So I don't know. Okay. Hopefully soon, but we'll see. Ah, it's like it's like Christmas. Ah, um, Chris Christmas. It's yeah, it's Chris. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I got it. Uh, <laughs> cool. Uh, so this one is just text, uh, and you have the two other problems you were doing with images and sound, and I, I guess those are waiting for the new computer. And then you're running this one still on Google Colab. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Cool. Sounds good. Man, I was talking about AI earlier this week and just the transformation power of it and how it's still just in its little baby stage. And 
I'm I I want to get really good at this. I think that's a not really good. I want I want to get passively good at it uh, enough to better understand like okay this is how you would solve this sort of problem or recognize it. Uh, that's something we've we've talked about before on the show. But I think you're making a really really good bet of where to put your time. I think understanding this is just going to pay dividends. Uh, the the power and ability to solve these complicated problems is the type of solutioning that I think will continue to be the most valuable in society. And it, that's just going to expand and uh, that's just going to magnify. So cool. I love it. Uh, you also said you had some other big news. Uh, what, what do you got? Yeah. And it ties directly into this. Plus some, we can talk about some other stuff. Um, but yeah, so I talked to you and then I talked on the podcast about this to Matt Swanson, but not to you, but I applied to a master's program and I got in. So, oh my uh, gosh! Congratulations! Yeah, That's so CS exciting. Masters. Um, it's uh, it's all online, which is great. Um, I it's through UT Austin, and they use the edX platform, um, which is like MIT made it, I think, generally, but now it's like a generic kind of platform. Um, and I chose it because uh, one, it was re- very reasonably priced compared to other online master's programs. Um, you also you get the exact same degree as if you went in person, which is nice. Um, and oh, the no. curriculum that there's limited class election which is one of the downsides to it but all of the like a large percentage of the classes are ml or ai focused um because the ut austin cs department is very ai heavy and so um and so it's exactly the kind of curriculum that i want wanted and so it doesn't matter you know that it's that it's limited because i want to take like every class so mm-hmm. so yeah um it's designed to be you can do it full or part-time so i'll probably do it part-time it'll take between one and a half and three years so maybe two two and a half years something like that um yeah um and I'm, I'm doing it for the same reason you just said like i really want to understand this better um i it's very interesting because most many people take uh masters because they want to get higher salaries at their jobs or they want to get a mm. different job that they can't currently get you know like if they had a degree that's not in cs then you might do a cs mm. masters to kind of get into cs um i'm not doing it that way <laughs> like i i'm doing it <laughs> to really understand the material better um so like uh yeah i, I think it'll be very interesting uh, we'll see what happens. I'm so excited for you. I think this is absolutely a, a great bet, a, a fantastic way to spend money to, to, in a way that's that the returns from that money are going to be astronomically higher than any other place where you could spend the money. Uh, I think it's a, a great decision. And at the same time, I'm curious that in 2021, for someone who doesn't really care about the piece of paper, that the place where you've landed as the most effective way to be learning this information is a traditional degree program. That sort of breaks my worldview. Uh, that my my current framing of universities is that it's sort of a more antiquated model that's designed to take people in the middle of the pack and sort of just schlep everyone forward at about the same pace. And that the primary value of that is in the accreditation. That like they can verify that yes, this person completed this number of hours. And for someone in your position, who's just interested in learning the material. My, my previous model was that that's not effective because, you know, you, you can just read a book about it or you can go off and learn at your own pace, whatever organically the thing is that you, that you want to be learning. Uh, I think the, the, argument, uh, the argument I was making when we talked about this a few weeks ago was like, how much more would you learn just by doing contests and just figuring out whatever you needed uh, and, and how much faster could you go? Uh, versus the master's program, uh, I'm curious about that. Of what 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 was behind that decision of doing the master's program versus just continuing to to 
do your own thing uh, at your own pace, probably going much faster. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought about this a lot because I'm about to spend money, <laughs> you know, basically betting on, right. on it. Um, and so, yeah, in a world where a lot of people are really down on the university system, why, why am I doing this? Um, there are several reasons why it's kind of all interconnected um, why I'm doing this. Uh, the first is it's actually really reasonable. So traditional masters on site, like you could spend 30 or 40 K per year just to go do a master's. This is uh, 10K for the entire program. So like two and a half years, 10K. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's very reasonable. That That's about as much as I could, sp- well, I was gonna say could spend on like MOOCs. Like if I, if I spent the actual money on the classes, you know, like, um, like I, I just think it's really reasonable. Like you get access to TAs, you get access to a bunch mm-hmm. of other people doing it, you get, you know, so, um, so, so it's pretty reasonable cost. Second is, now I have um, I have a brand new edu email address and I am a student again, which is interesting. Uh, I can do all sorts of things. I can get discounts on software. I can go to conferences uh, at student rates. I can uh, email people and say I'm a master's student. Uh, can I you know talk to you about whatever? Um, so I'm yeah. thinking about all different ways that I might be able to leverage the fact that I'm a student again. Um, it's especially like if I want to talk to other professors, other other people, even at different universities, other researchers, like it's something now that I can leverage as like, like as an in, I will at least get talking to a lot of these people because I am a student at whatever. Mm. Um, so that is interesting. Even though the credential doesn't matter as much, the fact that I'm a, a student again, which is something I'm still wrapping my head around, um, uh, actually kind of does. So that's neat. Uh, the other is I could learn. So everything I'm about to learn, I could learn by just buying the textbook and reading it or whatever. But like, will I, will I really No. <laughs> Um, So now I am paying someone to grade me on my performance, you know, and so I'm definitely Mm. going to do the the material. Um, And so that's kind of the other reason. So it's accountability, like I'm paying someone to grade me. I'm a student again. So that comes with all sorts of interesting things. Um, uh, Yeah. And so, so that's why I did it this way. Um, Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. 10 grand, I agree, is very reasonable. That's you know, I think 30 by 500 now costs something like $3,000 um, and is a course designed to be taken in like one or two months. Um, that's that's at the scale of what a, a reasonable course would cost. So that's that's great to hear that they're like competitively priced, uh, especially for the, the number of classes that you're taking. And uh, there's value in merely the curation of we're teaching you this information in this order and this is the information that we've decided is the most important uh and access to tas and i imagine networking if you could meet the other people in the class and the teachers and yeah i I think absolutely that's that's uh very reasonable money to spend and also like there's nothing precluding you from going off and learning on your own in addition to doing these things and i think that's probably what you're gonna do you're going to keep doing these contests and, and everything else so okay yeah that that makes a lot of sense uh i think if this was something that cost you know 200 grand that's uh, that would be a different scale of like for 200 grand there there are more creative ways that you could be spending the money you could you could be hiring you know the professors of these courses and have them be your private tutor for a month at a time or, or something like that um, okay I'm, I'm sold on that that makes sense uh, you mentioned also uh, having the, the edu yeah. email address as a perk uh, and the having the, the motivation uh, I'll address those in, in reverse order because well, no, I'll, I'll do it in that order. Uh, I had the thought, how strict is the EDU TLD policed? Like, I've never tried to do this, but could I have genco.edu 
as an email address and then i could have christian at jenko.edu and then i could yeah so email amazon and say hello i'm a student <laughs> kind of it's it's can not, i please have amazon prime for free so you can't just do that as far as i understand um okay and also a lot of these places it's not just having the edu email address it's having the edu email address and then actually clicking the box that says i am an actual student and so yeah you could lie hmm. and click it right but that I, that's not my mo you know so like now that okay. i'm an actual student i can click the box saying i'm a student so yeah Yes. I I I don't think I would feel like I was lying. Like I'm I take classes all the time. I I never want to not be a student. I'm not like affiliated with a university, but I don't know that I don't know that to be a student you have to be affiliated with a university. It, it feels to me like being a student is more of a a mindset than anything else. Uh hmm. This is getting philosophical. Uh but I do know you can't just get an edu.com or an edu domain. You have to be like an actual, I don't know what the proof is, but you can't just get mm. one. So I, That feels like a thing to be gamified. I, this week, I'm going to see if I can get an edu <laughs> right. DLTL. I'll, uh, I'll see what that is. Uh, and then the motivation you mentioned, uh, very much in line with uh, work in progress with Alex Hillman. Uh, this idea that you can pay money for accountability. That in itself has a lot of value, uh, which leads to my next question. How is work in progress going? I think you said your first meeting was uh, last week, I think on a, a Thursday or something. Uh, has it then pushed forward or do you feel like you're getting the, the motivation and uh, accountability you wanted from that? Yeah, so that was great. Um, that was a spotlight session and I was one of the people. So I like I came away with lots of different advice. Basically, a spotlight session is everyone gives advice about your project. Um, so it mm -hmm. was great. Um, I, uh, for a long time was trying to figure out what meeting place was. Um, I didn't want to push it forward too hard be for there are several reasons. One was because I was getting lots of support requests from like non-technical groups. Um, and these mm. were our support requests like, um, how do I upload a picture? Uh, mm. Which I never get from technical groups, right? So I was like, well, okay, do I, do I pivot meeting place to be like technical? So there's like software meetup focused or what do I do? Um, I got the great advice that it's more like professional kind of groups that I never get. To, so, so there's like some professional kind of groups that I get on there and I haven't exactly figured out the wording, but I, so I think I'm going to try to pivot the messaging to be from like anything to more professionally oriented groups. So that might be technical, but it's also like, um, so Indie Hall is one of the members. And so they're like a co-working space. Right. And so, and I get great feedback from them. Never, never these kind of support requests that I like, uh, can't handle. And, and so if I could figure out how to put, pivot meeting place into more of this kind of professional meetup -y kind of space um, mm -hmm. then I feel like I can push forward a lot harder on it and not have the support burden which is now even more important because I'm about to be at least half time into you know a master's program so um, yes. yeah I only got the news of this a few days ago and so I'm still sort of processing you know what all it means but come the fall at you know at least 20 hours a week I'm going to be spending on like homework and projects and stuff so uh, I'm going to need to, you know, figure out how that fits into everything else I'm doing. Mm. I like the specification that your audience is professional groups. I think that that's a good answer to the, the question that I think we've talked about before too on the show of uh, who to be targeting. Um, because then that informs every decision that you make every feature request and everything you, you ask yourself first the question does this benefit for professional groups do i need to make image uploading simpler well no because professional groups are professionals they have used software like this they know how to upload images um that makes a lot of sense i had that thought also 
fitting this in with graduate student stuff. Paradoxically, when I find myself in similar positions, the more I do, the more capacity I have to be able to do work. So like uh, right now, uh, I'm, I'm, I've sort of been in life focused on more of these low level problems of like housing and diagnosing uh, air quality problems and uh, figuring out food and uh, all these things. And because that's sort of where my mind is at and that's where my, my momentum is, it's much easier to get things in that realm done. I'm not spending nearly as much time sitting on a computer doing work and carving out large chunks of time to have as focused work for doing those things. And with any sort of structure, if I had a class that I had to show up to, you know, an hour a day and it's at the same time and uh, it's work where I'm sitting in the chair and I'm watching the lecture, it's so much easier to tack onto that other similar work as a habit that just happens sort of automatically. So if I know I'm tied to the mast, I have to be watching this lecture every day at 10 a.m. and uh, okay, well, now my day sort of structures around that of, well, if that starts at 10 a.m., that means I have to wake up at this time. Uh, if I'm up at that time, I'd like to be able to eat and work out before the class starts. So I would need to wake up and then take a walk and then come back and eat and then sit down. And I'd like to have 10 minutes to meditate. So I'll make sure that all that ends 10 minutes before the class. And then I do the class. Uh, so, you know, I've, I've sort of consolidated and collapsed the morning that that's more structured. And then uh, I do the class. And then after the class, well, now I'm in this position where uh, all of the stuff is set up already and I get to do whatever I want from here. Let's tack on, well, let's do customer support emails after that. And then let's do an hour of the, uh, uh, development side of the work. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to hear what your experience is when I've been in similar positions, I find myself able to get even more done just because of the structural organization, uh, secondary qualities of the, the thing that I'm doing. Uh, I, I actually have more time. Um, I'm reminded of a adage also, I'm not going to get the wording read on this, but it's something like, if you want to get something done, give it to someone busy because they're much more likely to do it than someone who doesn't have anything on their plate. Um, I, I would like to be the busy person who's just constantly churning through things and like, yes, I'm working for 20 hours a week on this thing, but uh, my nth hour is much less difficult to organize and to get stuff done in than someone's first hour if they're not doing anything in the week and now they have to bootstrap this entire process of being able to get stuff done. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious to hear how that goes for you. Yeah, yeah, I'm interested too. Um, I think you're right. Like some structure is good. So like it provides, you know, at least some outline for, for how to do things. Um, Paul Graham had a quote once. He was talking to a bunch of college students and he says, someone asked him a question about something and he said, uh, actually having kids really focuses you because you have to get more stuff done per unit of time if you want to get anything done at all. And then he said, but I, but I don't mm. advocate having kids as a way to be more productive. Um, and I kind of <laughs> feel like that's the same way. Like, like doing a master's degree will probably focus me in the time I'm not doing it, um, but I will probably still yeah. feel a little more overwhelmed than I am right now um, because, you know, it's just more, just packing more in per unit of time. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how my productivity goes up or down. I guess the best situation would be if you could trick yourself into thinking you had kids or had a master's program. Like I would love to be able to just say, okay, I'm going to tie myself to the mast of, you know, at 10 AM every day, I'm going to do this work that is sort of arbitrary. Uh, I like, I'm the only person I'm being held accountable to, but you know, every day at 10 AM, I'm going to make sure I do an hour of development work. And uh, that's going to happen every day because now that's not wasted work. Uh, not to say that having kids is wasted work, but it's 
what am I trying to say? It's it's like work in the direction that I actually want to go in, and it would be great to be able to have that without also having to uh, have external accountability because I think that's uh, that's not as sticky in my brain as it is for other people. I think for some reason I. Anytime I find myself where I have to be externally accountable, I inevitably end up at this position where I'm like, well, to continue being externally accountable, I would need to make the sacrifice of what I think right now makes the most sense. Do I really need to be externally accountable? Well, no, that's that's negotiable. Uh, so I'm not going to do that. Uh, and I'll figure out how to balance those priorities or, or uh, make whatever correction needs to happen. Uh, I think what I may be lamenting here is that I would like to be more internally accountable and also set more things to be accountable to. Uh, at this point in my life, I think I would, I would benefit from a little bit more structure. Yeah. So yeah, I have two things to say about that. One is the work in progress uh, has, is it's mostly on discord and they have a discord channel, which is like, um, focused work basically. Mm. And they have set times to do certain types of focused work. Mm. And so like they'll set up, they'll say, you know, for this hour, we're just going to do like you know, like business, like accounting, bookkeeping, taxes kind of stuff, come join the Discord at this time to do it. Um, the problem is you have to actually join the Discord <laughs> and I, I haven't yet, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I probably should. Um, but yeah, so it's like you're with other people doing the same thing and it's like you turn video off and so it's, you're there, you're not really accountable, but just being there is like, you know, I'm doing the same thing as these 10 other people mm. in this channel at the same time. Um, so that's kind of an interesting way to do it. And you don't, you don't have to be part of a big group to do that. You know, you can do it with just two or three people. Mm. Um, uh, so that's an idea. Uh, the other one was, uh, well, I completely forgot the other one, but <laughs> yeah, that's what work in progress. That's how they're solving it. That's really interesting. I would love to find a way to do that. That works for me. There was a, a similar mechanic in Ali Abdal's part-time YouTuber Academy where he said, okay, you know, for these two hours, I'm going to be live streaming myself. Uh, writing a script, filming a video, editing it, and then publishing it. And the idea is in these two hours, you're going to watch me do all of that. And so while you're on, you might as well be doing the same thing. Like, don't watch me doing the work. The point of this is to see that it can be done and then to, to do it yourself and be held accountable. And I did the first one. And I remember thinking, like, I can work faster than most people in this group. Uh, and I can do it. And, and, and then, and then I came to the position where I was like, well, I don't need them. <laughs> I don't need to like arbitrarily, uh, this is sort of inconvenient that it's happening at this specific time. And I could choose to do this at any time. And then what happened was like, I stopped doing it. <laughs> and, uh, I, it's, it's a trick that I would love to be better at playing on myself. I haven't quite figured out what I need and what the rules are and, how like uh, i think this podcast is a really good example of making more podcasts and making more video content is a thing that i'd like to be doing and i am much more consistent at doing that if i have another person that is helping me with routines of like okay you know every week at this time and this day chris and i record this podcast and it's not arbitrary because there's some friction in like figuring out what time works for both of us and there is actual genuine benefit in having both of us having these conversations at the same time. And so that's th this podcast recording. It has been something that's been very easy for me to do that. I, I think it fits in this mold. So maybe I think the thing that I struggle with is it, it can't be arbitrary. There has to be some sort of a like, okay, yes, we're all doing accounting at the same time. And the benefit of that is there's some sort of a thing where like 
I don't know, all of us have hired an accountant to be on the call with us. And that's the time. And so individually, we're only spending five or $10 and combined now the accountant's getting paid a good salary, uh, a good hourly rate. And the benefit of that is now I can hear questions other people are asking and I can ask my own question. And that's something that wouldn't have been possible if uh, I, I was just doing my own thing. Uh, I, th I think that's the sort of structure that I'm looking for. I, I love the idea of having that external accountability and it, it feels like if it's arbitrary, my brain will just tear it apart and be like, there's no reason to actually be on this call all the time. So I need genuine reasons to actually be held at the mast. Interesting. Um, before you said that last part, what I was going to say is maybe you could be the streamer actually. Um, so, you know, you say, you know, every Tuesday at 10 AM, I'm going to stream myself doing something for an hour and, Ooh. uh, just put that on Twitter. And, you know, even if no one watches, if you're live streaming, someone could. And so you better be doing the work. Um, <laughs> yeah. so, uh, so that's what I was going to say. You had that last part though, about bringing an expert on. Um, that's interesting. Like maybe you could do the same thing, but then also bring an expert on. So like maybe you hire the accountant and you ask them questions for an hour and other people could come in and ask the questions too. Um, then you have to shoulder all the cost, but, um, that, that might kind of be a way. Cause then you have to like schedule it in advance. You know, you have to get book an accountant for an hour, mm -hmm. you know, two weeks out or something. Um, mm -hmm. and so you have to do the call. Uh, so that might be something. Can you schedule an expert, you know, for an hour every week or something? Um, mm. I don't know. Just ideas. I like that a lot. There's something there. Thinking through that specifically with bookkeeping and accountant, I think what I would be looking for is something where it wasn't like an interview, so I didn't need to be interacting with them the whole time. I could, I could just be going through my bookkeeping and, you know, I'd ask them two or three questions during that process of like, eh, how would you categorize this expense? Does that make sense? I'm like, why, why am I categorizing expenses at all? That's that's a question I'd like answered. Why? What is the purpose of that? Uh, I know it has something to do with what I'm able to deduct, but like. What is that model? Uh, I think for this specifically, what I would love to do is just interview an accountant and just take all my accounting questions and say, hey, you're going to have my focused attention for an hour. I'm going to ask you all these questions to try to get to the bottom of what's going on. And then I could live stream that or I could make that a podcast or something else. Uh, I like that idea a lot. And separate from that, I want... I think I would need several people at a time to, to have this make sense of like, I don't know, there's 10 of us and we all have to do this certain type of work at the same time. And the accountant that I had previously interviewed, I showed that video to people and they were like, oh, I'd love to ask her my questions. Uh, but I only have like one or two questions. I don't need to book a call with her uh, or him. My accountant has become female now. Uh, my personal accountant is female. So <laughs> uh picturing a particular accountant when I say this. Um, if it's like 10 people now, now there's space for us to actually be doing the work and to only have like 10 or 15% of our attention on whatever the mainstream conversation was. And so we're getting the work done. And then once someone hits a stopping point that they need help from an accountant to do, they, they can throw it out in the world. Okay. this That feels like a place I can get to and it feels like the next step would be record a conversation with an accountant and uh, ask the questions I've had about accounting. Uh, accounting feels like a particularly good place to do this too, because everyone has to deal with that and everyone has to deal with bookkeeping. Hmm. Okay. Wow. What a cool idea. I like it a lot. Um, you, uh, we, we both separately had someone reach out to us uh, 
about a previous episode that we had had on ADHD uh, and <laughs> realized at the beginning of this episode before recording uh, that both of us have been contacted by the same person. Uh, you've already had your conversation with this person. Uh, I have a conversation on Thursday, I think. I would love to hear about what you guys talked about. What's the... Uh, what's what's the situation with ADHD? What did you learn? Yeah, so this ties into a lot of what we were just talking about, actually. Um, and it's the point I was going to make about one of the things you were talking about. So um, that's good. Um, yeah, so so he reached out to both of us based on our um, conversation about ADHD. Um, how we both feel a lot of tendencies uh, that are, we both resonate a lot with some of the tendencies. Uh, we both maybe don't have it, maybe have it, don't know. <laughs> um, and, and then we had a conversation about it and it was it was a really great conversation. One of the things I love about this podcast is that I've been uh, contacted by a few people like, and I was able to pick their brain and they were able to explain things to me that I would have never had those conversations uh, if not for this podcast. So, so it was, it was a really good conversation. Um, a lot of the things that came up were things like, um, you know, uh, so when we talked about ADHD before, uh, you and I both resonate a lot with some of the, the, uh, kind of proclivities. Um, and one of the things he explained was that like ADHD is, is a spectrum. It's expressed differently in all sorts of different people. There's also like different aspects of it. So you can, there's the hyperactive part. There's the, there's the attention part, there's different parts. And, um, and so you, you may have, you know, some and not the other, and then you may, you're, it's kind of on a spectrum for all of those things. And, um, a lot of the things that we just talked about, about, you know, how do you tie yourself to the mast? How do you, uh, you know, like I'm paying people to hold myself accountable, things like that. Um, I'll just go through a few of the points that really helped with some of those things. One is that he said, a lot of people beat themselves up because they feel like they don't have willpower. Um, when actually, uh, if you have ADHD or even if you don't, but you have some tendencies towards it, it's not a question of willpower. It's like your brain is just wired differently and you have to figure out the ways that you can behave, uh, the things you can do so that you can behave the way you want to behave and not the way you end up behaving, which is for me, like just watching YouTube, right? Um, and one of the things is I pay someone to hold me accountable, like grade me. Uh, so in this master's program, I'm going to do the work. Um, and so, you know, that, that was one of the reasons I like chose to do this because I know I'm going to do the work if I'm paying for a course. Um, so that was interesting. Uh, another thing he said is one reason to go to get a diagnosis. Th- there's a few reasons. One is you just have the diagnosis then, and then you um, can like understand yourself better because of it. Uh, another reason is if you need medicine, right? Uh, which I, I don't think I do based on his description of medicine and other things I've read, right? I, I don't think that's quite right for me. Um, but then another one is if you need like special, um, uh, like special, uh, not attention, but special, spe- special uh treatment at your at your school or at your job so like at school if you need to take a test in a really quiet room if you have a formal diagnosis then you can make that happen whereas if you don't have a formal diagnosis it's just a lot harder um and so those were some of the things he talked about and it's just a lot of it resonated with me really strongly um, i i don't think i'm gonna see someone about it right now because i, like, I don't i haven't I have a lot of those tendencies sometimes and not other times. Um, I also, I don't think I want medicine right now. I don't need special treatment. I don't need, you know, these other things. And so, but it's just really interesting to hear him talk and hear a lot of that resonate with me. And so that I can sort of better understand, um, you know, my, my direct, my, um, you know, what I'm doing (laughs) basically like, like how Mm. my brain's working. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how that conversation went. I agree that a formal diagnosis wouldn't really be useful for either of us. We do not need <laughs> permission to take tests 
in a especially quiet room. Uh, I'm not sure how that would play out in a workplace if you went to an employer and said, hey, I have ADHD and you need to treat me in a special way. But uh, I don't think that applies to either of us. I think the, the game we're both playing is how to treat ourselves so that we're working the most effectively. Um, and I think, I think what I'm curious about most is if you know where you are on the spectrum for yourself in each of these things, uh, I don't, I don't feel like I'm hyperactive, uh, but there are ways I would like to have more control over my attention. Uh, what I'm most curious about is like tactics to use honestly knowing yourself and how you work uh, to be able to move more in the long-term direction that you want to move to. And it sounds like it's the things that we're already doing that we're already talking about of like tying yourself to the mast and making better systems and making it easier to, to do the thing versus not do the thing, which uh, really applies to everyone. That's there's just like habit formation. Is yeah, that right? So... Or are there Are there tactics specifically within ADHD that now you've opened the doors of like, oh, there's this entire toolkit of ADHD of uh, non-medicated ways of being more effective? Yeah. So one of the things he said too is like, if you go to a doctor, you'll probably get medicine. Um, if you go to a therapist, then you'll get a lot of these tactics. And so um, that's one, you know, reason to go to a therapist, you know, even if, even if you don't think you have a diagnosis, like therapy can really help uh, with all sorts of issues, giving you tactics instead of medicine or instead of other more invasive things. Um, mm. For example, one of the things that he did was like, he started writing things on whiteboards a lot more and put the whiteboards in places where he would see them every day, you know? And so, oh, smart. Yeah. so that's a great thing. Um, I realized I solved the same problems he was talking about, but with alarms on my phone. So like I would set alarms. I set, I still set alarms for everything. Like I have horrible time management unless I set alarms for things uh, like an alarm that I can't shut off unless I do the thing, you know? Um, so like tactics like that are things that like a therapist could help you work through or, or books could help you work through where mm. a doctor will probably just give you medicine. Um, mm. Yeah. I think the way that I've solved that for myself is with time tracker. <laughs> I've built a SAS for myself yeah. merely so I can have this external system keeping better track of time because I recognize I cannot do that. My brain is not why I, I, if there's a cool thing that I'm doing, that's particularly interesting. Like every strength is weakness. I think the strength of uh, the way that my brain works is I can just dive into that. I can just become lost and the entire world is just about this thing and how this thing is working. And the weakness of that is if there's anything else that I should have been doing that was not that thing, uh, now that thing takes precedence and now uh, all of my scheduling of external accountability just goes out the window. Um, so yeah, the, 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 the way I can be most effective in that situation, I think, is to understand where I am, that I, I have difficulty with this specifically, specific category of thing, and then invest a whole lot in tools that can take that over for me. And then I can enjoy the natural strength that I have of being able to have this hyper-focus. And I'm mitigating downsides by being able to rely on this external system uh, when things go poorly. Okay, so it, it sounds like I'm going in the right direction. Um, I was reminded of a friend of mine who uh, has a son who recently got diagnosed with ADHD. And they are experimenting with uh, Concerta, which is an ADHD medication that I'd never heard of. But I was trying to, th trying to think of for myself potential benefit of medication would be if I could choose okay Tuesdays are my focused work day and that's when I really just need to tie myself to the mast and I would love to be able to shut off this creative divergent part of my brain and just 
be able to go through methodically like, all right, here we go, step by step, just become a much more boring person, but a person who's getting this work done. That's something I'm interested in trying. Uh, Concerta in particular, the, the way it was described is it works immediately. This is not something that you need to have for a longer period of time. And then if you don't like the side effects of it, uh, one of which I think is insomnia, uh, which that would be bad. I would not like that at all. Uh, but if the side effects are too bad, then you just stop and then the drug stops. Uh, that feels like a safe bet to do. And at the same time, I would like to be very conservative in how I am uh, chemically playing with my body. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious when I uh, talk to him on Thursday, uh, what his take on that safety and efficacy of the different uh, medicated strategies would be. Yeah, so there's, as far as I understand, based on my conversation with him and other research I've done, um, the drugs for ADHD specifically are different than the drugs for like anxiety or depression. So ADHD drugs are, yeah, you take them and then they work for eight hours and they turn off. Like, um, mm -hmm. And so you can take it once a week if you want, when you want, you know, like mm -hmm. on Tuesdays, you want that to be your focus day. You can take it on Tuesday and um, that's it. Um, uh, he did say that like there's six or seven drugs, I think, and only they only work on about two thirds of people. And so like mm -hmm. there's a chance you, you, they just might not work on you at all. Um, but it, the way that they're different than anxiety or depression meds is anxiety or depression meds. Usually you have to like ramp up and you can't just cut them off or else you have really bad side effects. You have to like ramp up and mm -hmm. ramp down. Whereas these, you can just take, you know, once a week or whatever, whenever you want. Um, yeah. so if you, if you think you might have it and you want to try that, then you can go talk to a doctor to see if, you know, you do and you qualify. Um, but I, I definitely agree also with like being careful with what chemicals do in your body is, is a good thing um, mm. because it can have all sorts of side effects um, and, you know, chemical dependencies and stuff like that. You know, it's kind of scary stuff sometimes. Yeah. 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 That would be a very bad outcome if I became chemically dependent on something. Uh, and then I think if medication becomes a solution to problems that's used too frequently, okay, well now you're in the situation that my grandmother's in where she's taking, I think eight different medications and we can't possibly know how those are interacting now. Like we've, yeah. we've changed her chemistry so much. It, the, the, the bodies that the studies were done on to test each of these medications were done and were, were like, probably that's the only medication you're taking. And maybe there have been some studies about how two uh, medications interact. So we might know the interactions between any pair of those things, but my gosh, when you inter introduce a third and then a fourth and then a fifth, the number of possible interactions increases exponentially. It's, uh, I think if N is the number of things, uh, I think it's N, N two N, to the N. N, to the N uh, right? I don't remember what the formula is. Is it N to the N? Because mm -hmm. yeah, you, my gosh, that is. can interact with each other drug, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, no, so that's not where I want to be. If, if there's a drug I'm taking, uh, like, you know, antihistamines right now, I take maybe once a week just on really bad allergy days. I want that to be the only drug I'm taking. <laughs> so uh, maybe what this would look like for me is, uh, okay, you know, Tuesday is my focus day where I take this limitless pill <laughs> to, to become hyper-focused uh, or not hyper-focused. I'm not even confident, like, what it would be like to not be in my brain. If I think it would look like just I don't get distracted as easily, but then also I'm not getting in depth to the work as much. What would it, what would it be like outside of my brain? <laughs> I don't know what that's like. Yeah. So it can do many different things, um, based on kind of what your how you express like the, 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 like how your brain expresses the thing. Um, so one thing he explained is like, 
as an example, people with ADHD, they have two modes. They have now and not now. <laughs> they don't have like any sense of planning. Yeah. Um, and so like one reason like you procrastinate a lot if you have it is because like it's like, oh, this is three weeks away. That's not yes. now. And then the night and then you're like, not now, not now, not now. And then the night before you're like, oh, it's now <laughs> or almost now. <laughs> and then you do the thing. Um, Get out of my head. <laughs> so one thing that medicine would allow you to do is things like uh, you have would have more sense of planning. And so you could like do your taxes three months in mm. advance, you know, instead of, you know, because you can actually plan yeah. it. That's my understanding. I, again, we should probably preface or, you know, suffix, I guess now we're not doctors. <laughs> I like, I have no idea what I'm talking about, um, but that's my understanding. That sounds great. And it sounds like if I was just doing that for a day a week and that was my administrative day, and that's my one day now where I have an expanded time horizon that includes more times than now and not now that that would be enough hmm okay next week i'm gonna have had this conversation uh with this adhd specialist uh and i'll also clear we, we haven't said his name i don't is that okay can we say who this is i, I don't know maybe you could ask him on thursday i'll ask him on thursday we'll have him on as a guest yes ask him if he wants to come on as a guest i'll ask him if he, if he wants he to was, be on as a guest i'll I'll say it was a great conversation. He was extremely open about everything. Um, and as far as he's not an expert, he's just a, someone who has it and is now kind of being very open about it and sort of spreading the message that it's okay to be open about it. It's okay to talk about it. Yeah. And, um, and so I really like that message. Um, yeah. My favorite type of person. Uh, niece. Okay. Well, we'll talk about this and <laughs> pick this up in the, in the next episode. Uh, cool. I have two things I would like your advice on. This is something I mentioned a while ago when you were first doing this deep dive into AI and machine learning of how you would recommend to get started. And at the time you recommended fast.ai and uh, sort of this mix of uh, TensorFlow and uh, the Python version of TensorFlow and the name of that has now escaped my mind. Keras. Yes. Uh, so I, <laughs> who knows? where my attention will go by the end of today. <laughs> but right now, uh, in the current moment, uh, there are some problems in image classification that I'm curious about. Uh, that I And in the long term, this is a, a place where I would like to have competency. I would like to have a, a good enough understanding of AI to be able to solve problems that AI uh, are good at solving uh, or know at least what's what the capabilities are. Uh, if, if I wanted to get started with image classification, uh, is your advice to start this fast.ai course or is there something else that you're more familiar with that you, you think would be better for fast tracking, solving that type of problem? Yeah, so if you're very interested in getting started with solving actual problems right away, then fast.ai is definitely the way to go. Okay. Um, they start, like a lot of other programs, they start ground up. Fast.ai starts with like, I think on the first lecture, they're classifying images already. Wonderful. Um, so yeah, they start with like a high level library. Um, yeah, it's also, it's, it's built on PyTorch now, not TensorFlow. You don't have to worry about that too much. Okay. Um, you'll be, if you do fast.ai, you'll be interacting with the fast.ai library, which okay. is like a library built on top of PyTorch. Okay. Um, the reason I'm doing a master's is cause I'm beyond that point now. I want to like understand the new research papers coming out. And so I need to understand like the, the base level, like math and stuff. Um, fast.ai has very little math actually. Hmm. It's really like library centric and like problem centric so yeah if all you want to do is classify some images uh, i would do fast at AI. wonderful okay that's how i'll push that forward then thank you second this is a problem i've been chewing on for a few weeks that i have been stuck on 
and I, I I think I'd like your help getting unstuck of just figuring out what the next step forward is, uh, and maybe maybe what the next three steps look like. Um, in thinking about investing, uh, I, I started from this position of like, I have some money, I would like to figure out the best place to be putting this money. Uh, how do I balance this between like stocks and crypto? And then, oh, my business is also an asset. Uh, and in thinking about that, I've come to this realization where I'm not quite sure how much it's worth for me to, to how, how much I would spend to get an extra thousand dollars in cash flow. But I do know that it's a whole lot more than I'm currently spending, which is effectively nothing. Uh, and I could very easily justify spending on the order of $6,000 to increase cash flow by $1,000. And I think one of the most effective ways to do that is to hire people. And so I would like to push this project forward of getting better at buying other people's time to increase value in my life and in my business. And I have a few different avenues available to me of potential places to start that are different levels of risk and reward. Uh, and so I think what I'm struggling with is like, what's the next step? Who Who is the first person who I would wanna hire and what would I need to have ready before I hire them? Uh, an obvious thing to do, I think, would be to hire a React developer. Most of the stuff that I'm doing is in React. Uh, a lot of these projects that I have just sort of stagnating are waiting on me and my development time to go and push this forward. And in sort of fantasizing about like, well, what if I had a React developer right now who uh, I had a relationship with, who, you know, they gave me their hours and I sent them money. Uh, how many things would that push forward in my life right now? And it's it's like a dozen. There's like a dozen different things that are waiting on React development that does not necessarily have to be doing, done by me. That if I just had a conversation with a React developer, that could then lead to, okay, five or 10 hours of work for them. And then I pay them money and the thing gets done. Uh, that feels like it would magnify what I'm able to do. Uh, another person that I think would make sense to hire is sort of like a backend catch-all developer to do some of this weird stuff I'm trying to do with serverless setups and... Uh, having a serverless way to run FFmpeg commands um, and a handful of other things. I, that's that's sort of the only thing I have for backend work. Uh, and then uh, a lot of friends that I have in this space have personal or administrative assistance. And that seems like a great place to spend money because that could be like research projects. Uh, we were talking a few episodes ago about I have a lot of open questions of things like, I saw this cool link on Hacker News and uh, it's very easy for me to get sucked into that and then spend the whole week on this thing, learning about this thing and then figuring out, okay, what's the result of this? How would I like to change my life? And it'd be kind of cool to have someone where I could just say, hey, check out these links that I've triaged and give me a report of them. And uh, at the time you mentioned that uh, that might be a cool application for AI if I just have an yeah. AI app uh, summarizing it. But where I'd like to move to is that like, I am not the person writing the app. I'm the person who has the idea and who makes a bet with my money instead of my time that this is gonna be a worthwhile thing to do. And then that gets pushed forward. Uh, a personal assistant may also help me solve the problem of just perpetually being behind on email. Uh, and I, I think I think once I have a person in any of these three domains in my life where like I've established the, the relationship, uh, I think more opportunities will start coming up of ways that I can give them more money to save me more time and, and 
ultimately make me more money in the long run. What's your hot take on that? How how would you approach this problem? Yeah, so um, you have a few different avenues you can go down. It's whatever you do. I would st I would start small. Um, a VA or some kind of personal assistant is a great way to do that. Um, so you want to if you want to go that direction, I would. You said you had friends who have them. I would talk to your friends. I, I know there's some agencies, you know, um, that do that. So it sounds like what you might want is something like an agency where you can book, you know, I don't know, five or 10 hours a week or something from personal assistance. Um, and so I would go that route, uh, specifically the agent or the agency route, because if you go to a specific person, then it's going to be real hit or miss. But if you go to the agency, hmm. you're probably going to get like a certain level of quality. Uh, so that's kind of my guess. Um, so I would, you probably spend a little more for the agency route, but I'd go that way just to kind of learn the ropes of what it means to have a personal assistant. Um, for the developers, that is interesting. Um, if you're hiring developers, you're kind of hiring either full-time, which I would not advise you to do. It doesn't sound like you want to do that either. Um, mm. Or like consultants, kind of like I was. I, I don't think that's quite what you want though. I think what you really want is like uh, someone who does this for their day job and then wants five to 10 hours a week on the side. Um, so I would really try to find someone who has a day job wants to kind of start independent consulting, you know, five to 10 hours on the side and, um, you know, say like, you know, I have a month worth of projects at 10 hours a week. And, um, you know, there's a few tricks for consultants, especially side consultants like that. Uh, one is to like the, the better you scope the projects, the better the outcome will be for sure. Mm. Um, the better your onboarding is, the better the outcome will be. So like if it takes you, you know, a whole week to get set up with your system, that's, that's probably bad. Like, you know, try to set up your system from scratch. And if you can set it up in like an hour, that's, that's probably good stuff like that. Um, and then, yeah, the better scope the problem is, um, or, or the thing that you want to see, the better your outcome will be. So that's probably what I would find. I would find a, a an agency that will give you a personal assistant for a month. Um, and then, and, uh, someone who already has a job who wants 10 hours a week on the side, um, mm. to do some contracting and I would start there. That's a really good framework of just starting small, make make more smaller bets. I'm probably very bad at picking people. I'm probably very bad at <laughs> scoping projects. I'm probably very bad at onboarding. Uh, and the way to get better at those is just to do them more. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll give myself a budget of like, I don't know, a thousand dollars to start with of just like this money is is going to be spent teaching me yep. how to outsource better and if no actual work gets done that's perfectly fine uh and i'll allocate that between an agency and i'll hire like i'll, I'll hire a personal assistant there and then i'll allocate some of that for a react developer i like how you're describing this person is like somebody who has a full-time job and just wants uh, some stuff on the side. The last time I reached out on Twitter to see uh, if there were React developers, actually, I, there, there was a person I talked to uh, who fit that exact MO. I think that's going to be the, the first person I talked to. Uh, his name is Perry. Uh, yeah, I'll, I haven't talked to him in months. I'll, I'll see if he's still interested in doing that. Uh, and... I'll just be very open and honest with him about, hey, I'm learning how to do this. I'm going to be a terrible boss. Please give me feedback. I would love that. Uh, onboarding is going to be terrible and my scope is going to be terrible. And I am very interested in improving. Uh, and I think that's what that's going to look like. And then a couple months out, if I've been doing that, I think I could, that feels very manageable that 
if, if I just get more reps in, I could get to this magical point where I have an idea for how I want to improve project. And gosh, what would just be amazing is if I could send a text message to whoever my person was and be like, Hey, you know, that thing we've been working on project X, could you implement a feature to do Y? And then I want them to reply back with like, Whoa, what a cool idea. Yes. I'll get right on that. Uh, and then I continue <laughs> doing whatever rabbit hole I've been down of like doing my home diagnosis project. And then he sends me a text and is like, Hey, I did it. Is it like this? And then I look at it and it's like, wow, that's amazing. I didn't, I just had the idea for this thing. And then you implemented it. That's incredible. And this is better code than I could have written. And, uh, here's some feedback of a way that I uh, would like to be better. And, uh, we have a healthy way of communicating. So that, that flow feels healthy. Uh, and this person feels comfortable pushing back on what I said of like, well, actually I now have a better understanding of the underlying thing than you do. And so I'd recommend doing it in this other way. Great. And as long as we're on the same page of like the, the reason why we're doing the thing, that's the, that's the future I want. That would be really cool. Uh, and then I could focus much more on like deploying the thing. I think a, a thought that I've been hung up on for a while is that I need to be doing all the work or it's not authentic. <laughs> like yeah. if it's not, if it's not, if I haven't made the cookies from scratch, uh, then they're not my cookies that I made. So like, if I use a box that that doesn't count, or if I hire a chef to make the cookies and I just give them the recipe that doesn't count, but that doesn't quite hold because I didn't grow the wheat for the cookies in any, uh, in, in any of the scenarios. And I didn't harvest the sugar cane and, uh, I didn't even come up with the recipe. I just like picked a recipe. Uh, so my value as a person is not tied to the direct work that I'm doing on the business. It's more, I, I can go to this higher level of just sort of organization and turning money into the product that makes more money. Like that's a, that's a valuable thing to be doing. Uh, and that's a difficult idea for me to wrap my head around, which is why I'm saying it out loud because it sure is true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty funny. Um, that's, that's also like the, the difference is going to be, so when you hire someone, like maybe it takes them 10 hours and it would have taken you two mm -hmm. and you're going to look at that and you're going to say, I could have done this in two hours. Why did it take them 10 hours? Yeah. But that's not the difference that you should be looking at. Like if you hire someone, you're going to have to spec thing to give to them to get done mm -hmm. where, so the difference is it getting done in 10 hours versus you not doing it at all. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like that seems like that, that's what the difference is. So yeah, like spending some money to get someone to do something it may take them longer, but it'll get done. Yeah. Whereas if you do it, it, you know, it, you'll go build a tiny house instead of, <laughs> instead of doing whatever. Um, so yeah, I think that's, uh, I think it's great. It starts small. I'd be very interested to see how, how it turns out. Cool. Would you be concerned at all? I brought this up with my dad and, uh, he was horrified at the idea that I would, in the case of a personal assistant, give someone else access to my email. Uh, I think you were much more security conscious than me as evidenced by you having a reasonable amount of Chrome extensions and me having an unreasonable amount of Chrome extensions. Uh, how, how would you be thinking about security in particularly as it relates to someone else having access to your email? I would love to, I would love to be able to do that in, uh, a trustless way, but I don't know if that's attainable. The thing I think I don't want is. I don't know. They reset all the passwords to all of my bank accounts and then start transferring money out, which would be very difficult. But like a, a key of that would be access to my uh, email account. Uh, what are what are ways you would frame that to 
that would require less trust that could still be getting yeah. things done. Um, so, yeah, that's an interesting question. A few things might be that might be another reason to go with an agency instead of just a person because, like, I think you'd have less chance to that with like an agency that doesn't. Um, the other is, I, I would probably make a new email account, really, like uh, mm. info at or help at or whatever, um, mm. and just have give them access to that email account. Mm. Um, and then you could even auto forward things from your account. So like auto forward anything like that has specific rules of types of emails that you want them to um, handle, mm -hmm. um, but not, you know, password reset emails or stuff like that. Right. Um, so yeah. That's probably where I'd start is give them an email address that isn't yours, but that has a lot of auto forwarded emails, something like that. That's perfect. Uh, Cause then I could still be doing my same work of like, I can triage emails that that's very fast for me to do. I can do like a thousand emails in 10 minutes. And then I'll just add a category to that of like, uh, this is a bucket of emails that can be handled by a personal assistant. And then that'll just go to a separate email account, Christian at Jenko.email or I don't know. I don't like help. I don't think of a new name. Uh, <laughs> person, staff, staff, staff. at Jen.co. <laughs> oh, that, that feels primo. Uh, and then that's the address they have access to. And then they can be interacting with whatever the problem is through that address. And then for me to add a task to their queue, I just need to forward that email to that address. Yeah, that's a perfect solution. Okay, cool. I feel good about that. Um, and it's going to be bad and that's fine. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just do it. That's, that's the way to get better at things. Uh, cool. Thank you. That's all I got. That's all I got too. Then I will see you next week. Goodbye. All right.